Good evening, everyone. It is so wonderful to be with you for our carriage service here today at St Leonard's for Telford Minster. It's so good as well that we can be together, that we can still worship together in this weird time that we're in. And I also hope that today brings you a bit of Christmas cheer, that you've come away today feeling a little bit more Christmassy, but also understanding a little bit more what is the reason for the season. And I hope that this next bit, my talk, won't bore you too much. So what am I going to talk to you about today? Well, I'm going to talk to you today about a carol, because through the course of December, we have been thinking about Christmas carols and what they can teach us. But I'm not going to tell you what the carol is straight off because I want you to listen. I want you to listen really carefully to this talk and then maybe you can guess the carol at the end. So are you ready? Are you ready, guys? You can all look a little bit more enthusiastic behind your masks. I can't see faces. (laughs) So carols. Every year we sing them, every year someone brings out a new version of a beloved carol and every year somebody probably ruins a carol by singing it very loudly and out of tune after drinking a little bit too much booze. We can all probably hear that in our head, can't we? (laughs) We do this faithfully every year. In our house, once I've had my birthday, it's fair game to put the tree up, begin listening to Christmas music and carols. For me, it's all about Michael Bublé. No idea what any of his music is any other time of year, but from November, it's like he comes out the cave and it's time to listen to him again. Do you know what I mean? Because you know what? I flipping love Christmas. I love the lights and the glitter. I love the cliche Christmas films about New England towns in America where someone is always too busy for Christmas and a Christmas, Christmas fanatic somehow sways them to also fall in love with them. And then it all just gets very very quickly lovingly and it's always the same thing (laughs) every every movie do you know what I mean it's always it's always the same I love Christmas films in fact so much that when I got married in the middle of August I walked down the aisle to the theme music from a Christmas film in fact, the only reason I didn't consider getting married at Christmas because it's already a really, really busy time for Vickers. And I didn't think me or my family could deal with the stress of, of the busiest time of year and then throwing in a wedding. You know what else I love about Christmas? I love how in the UK, Christmas Day is known to combine Brussels sprouts, half a bottle of Baileys and Her Majesty the Queen. And of course, at Christmas, we have the nativity. Nativities have had a lot of creative additions over the years. In the film, Love Actually, yes, another Christmas film drop, we hear of lobsters at the birth of Jesus. I once dressed up a cow- as a cowgirl in the nativity. There are other stories of pork pies. Yes, pork pies that made of pig are at the birth of Jesus and much more weird and wonderful characters to purely make a part for a child. And we all know that nativities don't always go to plan though. You may have heard this before, but in one nativity somewhere up north in Yorkshire, as the wise men entered onto stage tightly clutching the gifts, 
the first one said, I am the king of the north, kneeling before the manger and lying a box of gold said, I bring gold. I am the king of the south, exclaims the, the second child and lies down a blue box and says, I bring myrrh. child and he really carefully lay down a silver bowl and said and Frank said this <laughs> there are other stories of children throwing baby Jesus on the floor innkeepers being sure there is absolutely unconditionally no room whatsoever in the inn or in the stable and shutting the door in Joseph's face. And we also have Joseph storming off from Mary because really he doesn't like his little co-star. So he doesn't really want anything to do with that. So walks away. And of course, there is much more stories that we could share about hilarious moments of children doing weird and wonderful things in nativity plays. However, it's not always the children that get things wrong or make those odd comments as well or just don't get it sometimes it's the adults too isn't it a vicar once eavesdropped on a conversation between a head teacher and a parent concerning the nativity play the children were to perform and the parents said so what's this play all about then in all seriousness what's this play about Christmas glitter sprouts and jokes aside, this made me really, really quite sad, as it's not uncommon. Many children get confused between Santa and Jesus. Many don't even know who Jesus is anymore. A friend of mine has told me that she asked when Jesus was going to bring the gifts, not when Santa was. Or they're going to go and see Santa in the manger, weren't they? So who is this baby that the choir of angels come and adore? Well, the writer of first reading we heard lived a long, long, long time before Jesus and he foretold his birth. He told us that this babe would bring light into darkness. He would be the Prince of Peace, a wonderful counsellor. He is who these people were looking for and faithfully waited years for. They did not give up. Even in the midst of war and disaster, these people waited. I wonder what their reaction might be if we told them our society had forgotten about such a child. In our second reading, we, hear, we heard of Mary, a 16-year-old girl being told that she was pregnant. She may have even been younger than 16. She, if she was alive now, would have been at school, thinking about sitting exams. She wasn't married, but she was engaged to an older man, Joseph. It's a bit of safeguarding if that was going on now. And they probably didn't know each other very well either. And if you carry on reading through Luke's gospel, you see how Joseph responded to the news of Mary's pregnancy. 
He was shocked too. A virgin birth was as much as a miracle then as it is now. And he was mostly shocked because what was he going to do? He had two choices. He could marry her anyway and know that they would be socially rejected and suffer deeply. Or he could have had her stoned because she's pregnant out of wedlock. He chose to faithfully obey the angels. He chose to faithfully follow the call on his life. And they became refugees fleeing for their lives as someone was trying to kill their baby. These refugees, they risked their life, left their family for this child. I wonder what their reaction might be if we told them our world had forgotten about such a child. I wonder. Have any of you here ever watched EastEnders? I see no hands going up. If I was in my old church, the whole congregation probably would have put their hand up. That tells you the difference in demographic, doesn't it? Well, one of the writers from EastEnders came up with the idea that he wanted to do a version of the nativity like Hello, Hello. Do you remember that? It was a comedy set in a small cafe in France during World War II. While his cafe is used as a safe house for the British airmen, he also runs covert operations, flirts with women and, of course, keeps his wife happy. So instead of there being a set in a cafe in France, it would be in a stable in Jerusalem. And he pitched the idea to the BBC, who loved it so much that they literally brought it off him. However, he realised that it would be wrong to do this. He said, the more I realised this would be a travesty to take the most wonderful story in the world and turn it into a cheap gag. The writer began to research this further. He read the Gospels and researched history and saw that they were backed up with contemporary historians and he spoke to theologians too. He even consulted NASA about the whole star thing. This writer began to be more and more convinced that Jesus was born in this way, is the son of God, and that the nativity story was a thing of beauty. He said that the only thing he knew for sure was that the words of Jesus are the most beautiful thing that he had ever heard as a blueprint for mankind. He thought that it was so smart that could it never have come from a clever philosopher. So what is this story about? What is this blueprint? Well, it's about faithful people joyfully and triumphantly following God's call on their life. It's about the shepherds and the wise men, Mary and Joseph and all the people that went before them faithfully following God to welcome into the world a tiny, tiny baby, Jesus, Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us.
the story is about love. It's about love your enemies. In a warm, torn, consumer-obsessed culture, this message says it's better to give than receive. It says let your yes be yes and your no be no. To those who lie and misguide others, it says there will be nothing concealed that will not be disclosed of, hidden that will not be made known. It says to you sat before me who might feel lost, confused, even broken hearted. This message says to you, I am the truth and the life. Because of these faithful people we read about in the Bible, Jesus came and dwelt among us and died so that we, everyone, could have eternal life in heaven. I wonder if by now that you've guessed the carol. It was, of course, oh, come or you faithful. Some of you are nodding. I think some of you got it, but were too afraid to admit it. And O Come, O You Faithful is about faithful people coming to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. You might be thinking here, saying, I am a faithful person, but I can't literally visit Jesus in the manger. And even if we were to visit the church in the nativity in Bethlehem, the place where Christian tradition believes Jesus was born, we wouldn't find a babe lying in a manger. But we can come to Bethlehem in a sense. We can come in our imaginations as we follow the Christ, the Christmas story to inspire us. We can come as we reflect on the miracle of Jesus, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. We can come in worship, adoring Christ once born in a manger, once living on earth as a sign of God's kingdom, once dying on a cross for our salvation, once raised from the dead on Easter, now reigning in heaven and welcoming us into his presence, ready to come again and complete his work of establishing God's kingdom. But this beautiful story that's been faithfully, quietly, extravagantly been celebrated by Christians around the world for over 2,000 years is being forgotten and lost in glitter, in tinsel, in stuff, in food and in Santa. If you're a Christian and you've come here tonight, I want to ask a favour of you. I want to ask that you would outwardly and joyfully and triumphantly live out your faith this Christmas. We all had some awful news yesterday that we couldn't celebrate Christmas in, in a way that we thought, not even in the way that we probably wanted to. We have two options here. And that is to either be sad and depressed and live in darkness. Or to remember the light of Jesus and be the light to others and bring hope. When Jesus was born, he was born into a, a much worse scenario than we're in. 
but that didn't stop him from being the light of the world. I beg you that this Christmas, you will act as Jesus's light and bring hope to those who feel rubbish, who feel sad, who feel brokenhearted, who feel like they're at their end. Be hope, guys. For those of you who've come who don't um, recognise or would say that you're a Christian, or you might even be sitting on the fence, or you've just been literally dragged along by someone tonight and you don't even want to be here. Well, I ask you for a favour. I ask that you give this story a chance. Maybe give it a read. So you're never that person that says, what is this nativity story about then? I'm now going to hand over to the guys leading us in worship. And they're going to play, O Come All You Faithful. I just want you to let what I've said just sink in. And maybe sing it as a prayer. <laughs> 